I want to talk to you today. We're continuing in this series about uh, work and ethics, and and I, I want to tell you or remind you of the story of Joseph. And many of you will know that story, but but I want to tell you Joseph's story uh, from a different perspective. I, I want you to think about Joseph and his story as if he were writing or we were writing his job description. Uh, we're talking about work, so let's just write a resume, uh, not job description, but a resume uh, for Joseph, because it's kind of interesting, I think. Um, this is the story from Genesis 37 uh, through 45, basically is the story of Joseph and his stuff. But if you're writing the resume, the first thing you'd find on his resume is that uh, Joseph worked as a shepherd. Uh, he was the uh, son of his uh, father, obviously the son of his father. How else would he be that? That was really made a lot of sense. So, but he works for his dad. His dad had a business, uh, farm, you know, fields, flocks, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and Joseph worked for for his father as a shepherd and uh, did pretty well at that. Um, I mean, if you were writing the resume, you'd think, okay, he did okay with that. I uh, did have a few issues though. Uh, he had some relationship issues on the workplace. You'll remember that. Uh, some of his uh, co-workers were disgruntled with uh, the way he functioned and that kind of stuff like that. So, uh, in fact, they were so disgruntled with uh, their relationship with him and the favoritism that he received. Have you ever been at work like that where one guy just got all the goodies? It's like, why, why, why that person is getting all the good stuff? They get the good desk. They get the office with the window. They get, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, they were so unhappy with Joseph, in fact, that they decided, well, we're, we're just going to kill him. Yeah, they'll just settle. We'll just kill him, and, and, and that'll take care of our problems. But one of, one of the workers, fortunately, his oldest brother, because his workers were his brothers, uh, said, no, let's not kill him. Let, let's just, uh, let's, uh, there's a sister in here. Let's uh, put him in a well, a dry well, and we'll, we'll, we'll just uh, wait for a bit. And he hoped to come back and rescue him later. But he they didn't have time to do that because along came some people who had another business, and their business was that of uh, slave trading. And so they said, uh, they said, hey, well, why, wait, why just kill him? We could make some money off of him. Let's just sell him. And so they sold him to this group of caravan that was going by and as a slave. And so if we were writing his resume, we'd, we'd say, well, he started out life worked in daddy's business, it's okay, everybody needs a first job, you know, kind of that kind of thing, how do you get a job I, without experience, and experience gets you the job, and back and forth, and he had his first experience as a shepherd. And his second job uh, probably was not quite, you know, the kind of thing you'd want to have on your resume, but it's there, he was a slave, um, so he was a slave, and that, that really wasn't all that great, because he traveled down to Egypt, and while he was in Egypt, he he, he got sold. You know, that's what slave traders do. They trade you. And so he got sold to another guy. And he, and he came into his next job. And his next job uh, was, I call, as a personal assistant. So, you know, that's a good term for a personal assistant, a kind of a, a glorified butler, if you will. I, I, I take care of stuff for, for my boss, my owner. In his case, he was a slave. So he had a personal assistant. And he did pretty good at that. Uh, he had a few issues, but he did pretty good with that. And in fact, he did so well that his boss, this is Potiphar, that's a name, you want to hold that name for you guys when you're naming your children, Potiphar, You'll, everybody want that name. And so he, he's, he, he did pretty good and he did so well that Potiphar made him, it moved him up from being a personal assistant to now you are a manager of my household. You're in charge of stuff. You're in charge of my fields, my flocks, my other servants, indoors, outdoors, you're, you're just kind of in charge of everything. And 
And he was doing really well with that. But one more time, he had some relationship issues. Uh, In fact, he had this little dilemma with his boss's wife. Now, you know, those things happen, and I don't know how they all happen, but but uh, he had this little problem with his boss's wife, and his boss's wife was making some inappropriate advances towards him, and, 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 uh, and he couldn't do it. He did the right thing, by the way. I'll just give you a little education here. Uh, if someone's making an inappropriate advance to you, the thing to do is just flee, is, is to get distance between you. Never put yourself in that situation. We talk to our staff a lot about this, that you never put yourself in a situation where it's just you and another person uh, just... You know, right? We've talked about that staff and you know, the interns, all that kind of stuff. You know, just be careful where you are in your environment and, and that kind of thing. And, and he was doing a really good job about that. He tried to avoid her at all costs. And then finally, he was one day found himself there in the household. And she was there and he was there and nobody else was around. And she really, uh, she made some inappropriate advances towards him. And, and he ran. That's the thing to do. I mean, when in doubt, run. He ran out of the room, but he left his cloak behind him. And she started screaming, oh, man, he's been inappropriate with me, and I don't know what to do, and, you know, and he's bad, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so that was his third job. That didn't really end too well. He got fired. <clears throat> in fact, he got more than fired. He got thrown in prison. So now here's what you want on your resume, convicted felon. I don't know if you've ever tried to get a job as a convicted felon, but that's not where you want to go. The jobs aren't out there too much for that. So... So there he was. He's in jail, and he's going, what am I going to do? And, and he's trying to do the best that he can do. But he, he gets in good with the, the warden there, and uh, he gets a job as a prison administrator. He, you know, he does pretty good at that stuff. He's able to organize people and get stuff going, and, and he kind of moves along. But, you know, there's not a lot of future in there, or there wasn't seemingly a lot of future in prison. But he did okay with that, and he kind of plugged along. And And lo and behold, in the midst of his prison time there, um, he found that he had some other kind of giftings and abilities, and and that was he became a counselor. He became a counselor because one day he was in jail, and uh, a couple of his friends that were there with him came in, and they were really down in the mouth. They were really upset and sad, and they didn't know what was going on. He said, what's the problem? What's going on? You can talk to me. I've got big ears. You can, you know, I'll listen well, and I, I understand stuff. So they went and he talked to him, and and he told them those stories, and they both had these dreams that were incredible kinds of dreams. And so uh, the one guy said, well, tell me your dream. Let's see what we can do. And so he tells them the dream, and he said, I've got this dream, and I had this dream of this thing, and I've got these uh, bunches of grapes, and they're there, and I'm squeezing them, and they, they turn into grape juice, and, and just to make it Nazarene version, and they scream into grape juice, and they go into the cup, and, and, I, and I give the cup to the Pharaoh, and, and I don't know what it means. What, what could that possibly mean? You know, he, he used to be a cupbearer for the servant. And one more time, he's kind of a table waiter for, for the king's table, the Pharaoh's table, and that kind of thing. And, and Joseph says, well, I understand what that means. That, that means this. It says, in three days, you're going to be released from this place, and Pharaoh is going to restore you to your position, and you're going to be handing Pharaoh his cup again like you used to do. Now, I don't know that you ever want to be a cupbearer because you know what one of the duties of the cupbearer was? Well, to taste everything because people were out to kill these guys. And so one of the ways they did that was they poisoned it. So like you want that job, you know, like, oh yeah, I'll take a little drink of everything and eat a little bit of everything in case it's bad and I die and you don't die. So 
I don't know if you want to be that, but that guy was anxious to go back and be that. So he, he went back to that position, and he was all excited. And, and so the other guy, he said, wow, with such a great report, I'll let me hear what you have to say about my dream. And they said, well, tell me your dream. And so he tells him the dream, and he says, I've got this dream, and I have this basket on my head, and it's full of, full of bread, and the birds are coming, and they're eating the basket, bread out of the basket, and I don't know what it means. And, and uh, Joseph says, well, I do. That means that in three days, you're going you're gonna to lose your head, and you're going to die. And he was not all that excited about that. And lo and behold, in three days, exactly what he said happened. The one guy was called in for execution, and, and the other guy was called back in to be restored. And, and Joseph did what anybody would do who's trying to build a resume. You know what you do when you're trying to build a resume? It's, all about, it's not about what you know about, but who you know, right? You're networking. So here we have the first example of networking in the Bible. It's scripture. So it's Joseph saying, hey, you know, when you get into your position, remember me uh, because, you know, I did some things here for you and you can do some things for me and maybe you can get me out of this place and get me a new job and do that kind of stuff. So, so he goes and the, the guy leaves and he promptly forgets all about Joseph, which is usually what happens to all of our networking efforts. Uh, but it only takes one, so you keep on doing it. And, uh, and so they, he goes through the process and he completely forgets about Joseph. And Joseph is stuck there in the prison and he's still doing his thing and he's being the prison administrator and trying to do the best he can at that. And, and so he goes along and, and, and lo and behold, in just you know, a few years, what we have is we end up with Pharaoh suddenly has this dream. And, and, and nobody can understand it. And he's called in all of his other counselors and, 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 and no one can interpret it in the way that satisfies the Pharaoh. And and, and suddenly the cupbearer, he goes, oh my goodness, what have I been thinking? I know a guy. It's good to know guys. He says, I know a guy. There was this guy three years ago who told me about a dream and it came exactly true and here I am and maybe he could help you. So Pharaoh says, well, bring him in. Let's, let's see what he can do. And so he comes in and Pharaoh tells him the dream and perhaps you remember the dream. Do you guys remember the dream? What was the dream? Anybody remember his dream, Pharaoh's dream? There's cow- That's right. Good for you. That's right. There's seven cows and, and the seven cows that are what? What are they really? Really, really healthy and seven cows that are really sick and not healthy. And they eat the other one. Where is the stock? Cindy, you've done good. Yeah. Either that or John, one of the others. <laughs> Somebody in the children's department is done good. Good job. Yeah, so seven healthy cows, seven sick cows, and they eat each other. Or the, the sick ones eat the healthy ones. And, and then there's seven heads of what? Grain. Seven heads of grain. They're really big, fat ones. And there's really seven ones that are really sick and weak. And the same thing happens. The little sickly, weak ones eat the seven grains of head that, or heads of grain that are really strong and that kind of thing. And so... Joseph says, well, I know what that is. That's easy enough. That's to say, in seven years, you're going to have lots and lots of money and lots of food and lots of provision and all that kind of stuff. And then you're going to have seven years of absolute famine. You're going to be in a mess and, and there'll be no planting and no harvesting and no crops and no nothing for those seven years. And, and Pharaoh, if you don't get this together, if you don't get this thing organized, you're going to be in a big trouble. But, but God has told us and you have an opportunity to prepare. So now his next job, they get this. So now he's gone from counselor, you know, kind of prison administrator and counselor to now he is what? He is vice president of the nation. 
I mean, that's quite a job promotion. You go from jail to vice president of the nation. I mean, he's number two guy in all the realm of Egypt. Pharaoh makes him into this thing, and he says, you're in charge, you make it all work, you administrate this, you get it all organized, you make it happen. So that's pretty good, that's a pretty good job. You know, going from just kind of menial kind of stuff and shepherd boy to vice president of the nation. That's kind of cool. Well, you kind of know the rest of the story. The seven years of plenty came, and they took in all the grain. They did all the stuff, and everything was good. And the seven years of famine started, and, and they were hungry, and, and people started to come to buy food from Pharaoh because there was no other food in all the land. And lo and behold, his brothers and family experienced the same kind of famine that everybody else did, and they went down to Egypt because they heard that there was grain in Egypt. So they went down to Egypt. They got grain, and, and Joseph recognized who they were. Ask them about the family. How's your father doing? How are things there? Do you have any other brothers? Oh, yes, we have another brother, younger one. Well, it's nice to hear about that. The next time you come down, by the way, don't come down without your brother. If you come without your brother, uh, I'm not going to give you any food. So they go, and they famine continues, and once again, they've run out of grain, and they don't have anything to eat. And so the father says, you go back down there and get some more. And they say, I can't go unless we bring the brother. You can't take the brother. He's my only son left. My, his brother died, and this is my only son that I have for my dearly beloved wife. I can't do that. He said, no, 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 he, we won't get the grain without him. You've got to do that. And so finally, the oldest brother, Judah, says, well, I'll take care of him. May it be on my head. I'll take care of him. And down he goes with, with Benjamin. And so they get down there, and they do their thing. And and they, uh, they send them back. And as, as he's going, he says, uh, okay, go with my blessings. But when he sent them away, he did something kind of tricky. I don't know, we're talking about ethics and morale. <laughs> I don't know, he, he put a silver cup inside of Benjamin's pack. And they went away. And then he sent his armies to chase after him. And he accused them, Benjamin, of having stolen this cup. And they said, no, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. But there it is. And he said, well, all the rest of you can go, Joseph said, but Benjamin has to stay. And his brother Judah says, no, 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 no. <laughs> he says, take my life, keep me, but you can't keep my, my brother Benjamin because he's the youngest of the family and it would break my father's heart and you can't do that. And finally, they're going through all this rigmarole and Joseph can't stand it any longer and he, and he reveals who he is to his brothers. And his brothers are terrified because they know what they did to Joseph. They're absolutely terrified. Joseph says, you know, guys, you meant it for my harm way back when, but God had a bigger, better plan. And I think about the story of Joseph And we're talking about work. And I I look at his life and I say, here is a guy who has been employed and worked from the lowest levels to the highest levels, who's had these great highs and these great lows, who's had incredible temptations in the workplace and, and horrible disappointments and great hope and then nothing and all this whole series of things that happen in the work environment. And yet he shines out as someone who has lived out his faith 
in the midst of those things. And I, and I, I just want us to think for a minute as we kind of wrap this up. I want, to, I want us to just think for a bit about, about Joseph and, and the way he lived his life, the characteristics of his own ethic and morality in the midst of his work. And several things I'd like us to just think about. The first one is just this, is that there is an integrity in his life even when no one could see. You know, sometimes we, we work really hard when we're in front of people and people can see who we are. But, but Joseph had an integrity that said, it doesn't matter whether I'm being seen, whether I'm in public or whether I'm in private, doesn't matter, but there's an integrity to his life. You, you remember the story with, with Potiphar's wife who made these inappropriate advances towards him. And, 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 he, and he just had this integrity. He was trying to explain to her, I cannot do this. And he said, I can't do this for three different reasons. He says, I can't do this because personally, I, I just can't do that kind of thing. He said, I can't do this not just because of my personal integrity, that kind of thing, but I can't do this because I have an integrity with my boss. I, I can't betray him. If I do this with you, I'm going to have betrayed my boss. And finally, he says, I can't do this because I will have betrayed my God. There was an integrity that he lived out that was a personal thing. It was a a business relationship thing. And it was a relationship that he had with God that said, I cannot do those things because of who God is in my life. Have you ever had to make those kind of choices? Maybe not a boss's wife after you, but... But, but there's, a, there's an integrity issue about, about how we do stuff. I was thinking about David's story and, and, and that kind of integrity that says, I, I can't do that kind of work because it, it doesn't honor who I believe God is. And, and, I, and I can't do that. I, well, well, no one will really know. You, you just draw these pictures and you don't have to draw these other ones. No, but I'll know who that is. And at the bottom line, my name is on this. And, and beyond all that, I, I, I'm supporting something that's taking me in a, a weird kind of place. I, and I can't, I can't do that. We make choices like that in the workplace. We are forced to make those kinds of choices. And sometimes, you know, that doesn't always end up in the right kind of places. You, you choose good. I mean, here's Joseph. He's chosen the right and the good, and he ends up in jail for it. Sometimes we make good choices, the right choices, and it doesn't always, it's not always an easy choice to make. There's an integrity in his life that's important for us. The second thing I see in Joseph's life that I think is real important is that there is an excellence and a commitment to excellence in everything that he does. You know, when, when, he's, a, when he's a shepherd boy and, 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 you know, he's 17 years old. Can you imagine this? He's 17 years old, leaving everything. And he's his daddy's, he's a daddy's boy, okay? He's his father's favorite child. And, and, and so all that kind of gets messed up there. And then he, he's young and probably a little more arrogant than he probably should have been. But, you know, he just didn't communicate at all really well. But, you know, but, but he had a commitment to excellence. And I say that because part of what he did was he was 
he was telling his dad about his brothers who weren't working the way they're supposed to work. There's this, even from a young age, this commitment to excellence in what he did. And you follow his life along, and there's this sense of saying, you know, everywhere he went, he did the very best he could. Have you ever been in a, in a difficult job, in a difficult situation? And the temptation sometimes is to say, well, this job doesn't matter, or, or, you know, what's the point? I've just got this grungy kind of job to do, so who cares how it's done? It doesn't really matter. But, but that wasn't Joseph. Joseph is doing an excellent job wherever he's at. He's now, you know, he's a slave. He's a personal assistant. He's, he's, a, he's in jail. I mean, why would you work hard in jail, right? But yet there's something about him that just says, it doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to give it all that I have. I'm going to do the very best that I can have. Why is he doing that? Personal integrity, integrity with God, integrity with the people that he's working for. doesn't matter that what kind of work it is. Doesn't matter what the situation is. He said, I'm just invested in doing the very best that I can do all the time. I like that. Third thing I think we see in Joseph's life is just this that there's that there's hope even in the midst of despair. Or perhaps not in the midst of despair, but a hope in an environment that could easily have led to despair. Just think about it. I'm, I'm the, my son's favorite or my father's favorite child. <laughs> now I'm a slave. I've got this really good job as a, as a manager in this guy's household, and now I'm in prison, falsely accused and thrown in jail. I've got these friends. I've done so much for them, and I think he's going to remember me, and he's going to help me get out of here. And then he gets out, and he completely blows me off. He forgets all about who I am. He had every reason along the way to live in despair. And yet he just continued to have hope. Just continued to believe that I'm just going to be faithful. I'm just going to keep on following God. I'm just going to keep on being a person of integrity. I'm just going to keep on doing this. And there's, there's just hope in the midst of that. Even when the job I thought I was going to have, I don't have. And even when I don't get where I thought I was going to go. You know, the other thing I like about Joseph is that there's forgiveness with no rewards. You see, when Joseph's brothers came back and, 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 and he revealed himself to, to them and said, I'm your brother, your long-lost brother, their response was not, oh my, how wonderful it is to see our brother again. <laughs> they were terrified, petrified. For good reason. Can you imagine? They knew the truth. These guys had sold their brother into slavery some, you know, 15, 20 years earlier. And if it had been them, they'd have wiped themselves out. I mean, they'd just done it. And here is Joseph saying to them, brothers, we've been reunited. He's, I mean, he's crying. He's sobbing at his joy for seeing his brothers again. And they're petrified. he just forgave them. He had nothing to gain. They had nothing to offer them that he couldn't already have asked for or taken. He had no reason to gain. It's not like this is going to get me a promotion. I'm already vice president of the nation. There's nothing really to gain by this, but yet he still does it anyway. 
You know, I was thinking about John's story about, about being in work and this guy who everybody kind of thinks and knows he probably ought to be let go. And, and here he finds himself, you know, I've still got to defend this guy because he's still a guy. And somehow we've got to act with integrity towards this guy. What's John going to get for that? Nothing. Nothing. And yet there's still this sense of, I've got an investment, a commitment, and in Joseph's case, a need to forgive. But above all, I think Joseph has a godly worldview. He says to his brothers, you sold me into slavery and, and, and you were kind of doing me dirt there, but, but God had another plan. God had something else in mind. You see, God was protecting our family and saving a remnant for the future because this famine, it's not done. God had a plan those many years ago that we, not a single one of us, not me, not you, any of us could see. And can I just say that, that when we think about our work environment, we think about how we're living out there, I, sometimes, I, I hope that we will not sometimes, but more often, have this sense to say, I am in God's hand. We sang the songs about that. You know, here I am, take all that I am. I surrender all that I am. This, this idea of giving ourselves over to God. And in that context, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what today's step leads to tomorrow's step leads to the next step. We don't know all of that process. But we know that God is at work. And sometimes that process leads us just like it does with, with Joseph. Sometimes there's great highs and sometimes there's great lows. Sometimes you're, you're embraced with welcome arms and you're the smartest, greatest thing that's ever come along since sliced bread. And sometimes you're, you're just like, why in the world would you have ever thought that? It's just a scene. We say, God, I am in your hands. You're bigger. Your plans are bigger. Your plans are better. And we cannot evaluate truly who God is or our relationship with him or what God is doing by any particular moment in time in our relationship, life, our work situation. Because God is doing something bigger than all of us in the midst of it. We're invited in this process of talking about Jesus at work. We're invited to remember and to affirm afresh and new that, that, that we're not just, as Beverly said, you know, church and home and work and play we're not in these little pieces. We are in this big thing of God, and God goes with us into all of those things. It's not one or the other. We are God's people all the time. And he's at work in us and through us and how we live in the work environment speaks volumes about who we are and who God is. I, I like what John said. He said, my, my, greatest, my greatest goal and aspiration after all these years is that my employees would understand that I'm a Christian man. 
I think one of our earlier panelist guests we had up here said, had a guy who proclaimed to be a Christian, but he lived anything but that. We don't want to be that kind of person, whether you're the manager boss or whether you're just an entry-level employee. We want people to be able to say, there's something different about you. What is that? Something different about the way you do business. Guess what? That's next week's topic. But for today, it's us choosing to live what we believe in the workplace. Not just in church on a Sunday morning, but when we're out there living life. Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. Lord, wherever you've placed us in work high and low and everything in between, in moments of great challenge or moments when it all rolls easy, in moments of temptation, in moments of struggle, Lord, we affirm our desire to live what we believe even in the workplace. When nobody sees, when we have nothing to gain by it, Lord, help us. Help us to so live our lives that people recognize there's something going on there that's different. For we are yours. You are ours. Lord, we, uh, we need your help. It's not easy to do this. But you can help us. Lord, take us and have your way done in us and through us, right where you've placed us, light and salt in this world. I pray in Jesus' name.